everybody, you're listening to Salah's Corner with the one and only Salah Muhammad. What do you hear when you think of the word privilege? I think back to a conversation I had with a coworker. Now, we're both black and we both went to black schools. However, his schools had much more resources than mine. This allowed him to be positioned to gain higher education, better access to financial aid and other programs that allow him to flourish. But on this particular episode, I want to talk about privilege that other people hold. White privilege. Now, a lot of people get defensive when they hear that term, white privilege, as if they didn't work to achieve the level of success, whether it be in a career or personal life. But this type of privilege isn't about how much work you put into it. This type of privilege is more about what is available to one particular race that isn't available to most other people. It's about being able to navigate spaces safely simply because of the color of your skin. On this episode, I talked to two young ladies who were involved in the Starbucks incident about a year ago. Michelle was able to record that incident that took place that got the two black men arrested. But it was Melissa who used her white privilege and amplified that message and broadcast it so people across the country were able to see. Since then, they formed an organization from privilege to progress. How white people can use their privilege to better help other disenfranchised communities. And be more of an ally on this road of reducing the racism that is systemic and institutional in so many organizations. I'm sure a lot of you are wondering how I make my podcast sound so crisp and clean. Well, I have to thank the folks at Rec Philly. They provide me the space, the time and equipment to make this podcast happen. And it doesn't just end there. It's also an opportunity to connect with other creative individuals just like me. And not just other podcasters, I'm talking writers, musicians, photographers, anyone that considers themselves a creative individual. So if that's you, head on down to Rec Philly. It is super affordable. The memberships are great and it's an opportunity to flex your creative muscles. If that's you, I hope to see you there soon. All right. So with me, I have the ladies from Privilege to Progress. Um, Michelle and Melissa, ladies, how are you today? Wonderful. Thank you. I like the shirts. Hashtag show up. Um, Tell me what that actually means and what what's your share with my listeners, what your platform actually is. How did we get to show up? How did we get to show up? We (laughs) I I think we just kept hearing it every single time we had the conversation about what you can do and really that's what you do you show up and there are mm-hmm. different ways you can show up but it, it I forget who said it to me during the during the very beginning when we were trying to figure out what to call yes. the movement right and what we wanted the hashtag to be yeah um but yeah I don't know but it's working it, yeah. it, 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 it is, is working, working. <laughs> and it, it I mean in, a, in the essence of kind of these memes and hashtags is kind of to be able to sum it up into just that one phrase and show up is you just you can't get more direct than than what that means. Yeah. So for you, what does uh, let's expand on that. What does that mean by showing up? Showing up for me means I mean anything that you can do, whatever privilege that you have in your being, you show up against racism. You show up for social justice, however that may be. Whether you're resharing our content, we have a page on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. You know, you can repost our our information someone tells a racist joke you show up by saying that's not cool you know is there's an event going on that's talking about privilege or biases or whatnot you show up to the event to learn more anything that you can do you just have to show up you need to be present in in fighting against racism 
Yeah, and, and, you know, we like to break it down to, like, three really sort of simple categories, and one is to learn because, you know, racism is a white problem, and people don't really think of it that way, mm-hmm. right, but right. it is a white problem, and that therefore it has to be fixed um, with, you know, the active anti-racism in the white community. And, you know, what happens is, you know, white people get really, really um, defensive and guilty and fragile when you say they have privilege because they don't really understand. There are a couple things they don't understand. They don't understand what racism is, first of all. They think it's mm-hmm. personal meanness. Mm-hmm. They, don't un- they don't understand or know that it's a system mm-hmm. that is built for them and built to keep people of color down. They really don't understand that. I went mm-hmm. to an event on Sunday where um, I was with a friend who she's like liberal. She doesn't think she's racist. She would never say anything racist or anything. But the 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 presenter said, explained that racism is a system. And she was like, I had no idea. Right. And mm-hmm. I was like, wow. So these are very simple concepts that we want mm-hmm. white people to understand. And then once you understand that, the word privilege doesn't have that charge of accusation. Mm -hmm, It has this, oh, so I have privilege. How can I use it in a positive way? And it becomes an invitation to do something. Right. So, um, so yeah, so learning, sorry, I got off track. No worries. (laughs) Learning, (laughs) um, speaking up in your everyday life and amplifying on social media. And those are, those are the three things. And there are lots of ways you can do that. I mean, if you, if you are a white person that works in, in, in an office and you see there are no people of color working around, you talk to your manager about it. If you, mm-hmm. your kids are in a school where there are no um, black teachers, yeah. you talk to the teacher, you talk the, you ask the question. Right. Yeah. So really, really um, let's take a step back and talk about that privilege and the, the moments that I think for on the and at least the stage in Philadelphia and somewhat the world stage as well, what got you to that moment of using privilege um, and amplifying that message of painting the picture of what privilege actually is and what racism represents in America. Um, let's rewind back to what was that? April twelfth. Man, you guys yeah. get a date down. <laughs> <laughs> it was a Thursday. Never, we will never forget Thursday afternoon. <laughs> Thursday afternoon. Yes. Yes. It was yeah. Four four, four, four o'clock. It was sunny. The scene is uh, Center City, Rittenhouse, Mm -hmm. Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. Um, We're at Walnut Street. Was Mm -hmm. Walnut Street? Mm -hmm. It was uh, Spruce. Spruce. The Spruce Street. uh, Starbucks. Mm -hmm. The infamous Starbucks incident. Um, Let's everybody. If you're not familiar with it, shame on you. Turn this off. Go down. Watch the incident and then come back. So for those, welcome back. And. Let's let's not talk too in depth about that incident, but what was it about that changed, or or did was that percept, uh, perception of privilege always there for each of you ladies, and w- what was the call of action like for you? Because I think for it, it, it seems from the outside looking in, it looks like there was a big call to action, and it's like, mm-hmm. okay, this can't continue. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm speaking for you, but can you can you speak to that? I think our our whole our whole organization and our, what we embody is we we modeled exactly what we are talking about today. Mm-hmm. Privilege was we use that word very intentionally because that day in Starbucks, um, that whole privilege played out. I spoke up. Melissa amplified my voice. She posted the video, which is showing up, and 
her privilege is what got that video to go national and even international. Mm. We recognize that if I had posted that video, we probably wouldn't be sitting here today. Right. Um, you know, Definitely. she, yeah, right. You know, like she, you know, she talks about how, you know, when she was getting all the, the media attention and people were like shocked that this white lady was saying that this doesn't happen to white people. And it's like, I mean, I, I was, I was a bit shocked to know that so many white progressive liberals didn't know that. I was shocked by that just mm -hmm. just a bit. However, I was seeing privilege happening throughout the entire Starbucks. Like I'm standing up, I'm saying things, and everyone's just sitting minding their own business while there are two men being arrested for not buying a coffee, which everyone else was doing. Right. Most of the people in that Starbucks weren't buying coffee. There was a white guy next to me who was there for 45 minutes. He didn't buy a coffee. Mm. Why wasn't Why wasn't he being arrested? Privilege was playing out right right in front of our eyes. Um, and so that's just what we modeled. And it was, you know, Melissa amplified my voice. And that's the message that we keep trying to portray because, you know, people of color, like, like she said, it's not a it's not a black problem. Racism is, is a white problem. Right. I'm dating someone. I just found out that his his um, great grandfather is is white. We're, we're, we're from Ghana. And I was just fascinated at the fact that a white man was able to go to Ghana, a West African country, and just like set up shop there, a business, marry some woman, and just live freely and just live this life. And, and it's just, just shows how America is really built on racism. That is part of the structure of this country. You can go, a white person can go to an African country and just live. And doesn't have to worry about discrimination or being right. shot or... or the vice versa doesn't exist. The vice versa does not exist here. Yeah. It does not exist here. And that's the part that we need to educate people on. I think people have, to be honest, somewhat of a nationalistic view of America. America's great. It's perfect. It's this and that. And like Amosa said, people think it is individual, but it's not. We saw in Starbucks that day, the police officer... Um, when they asked the barista, you know, who were the culprits, I guess, and she just pointed, and they didn't even ask any questions. There, there was no questioning. Mm -hmm. It was just those two black guys, racial bias, they must be guilty. Let's let's remove them. Right. Hmm. Whereas if there was if it was a white person, you bet that that white man would have been like, I know my rights and what is going on, and there would have been a discussion, and they probably would have left. Hmm. So one um, one of the things I want to talk about is Michelle mentioned. You know, like we we chose that word privilege really intentionally. It is such a charged word because people wh white people don't like to hear it because they think oh that that means that you know that they they. Um, they have no disadvantages, you mm -hmm. know, like, oh, maybe you, you're, you grow up poor or you're, you're a woman or, or you're gay or whatever. I mean, whatever it is, that's not what privilege is. So we really wanted to have people understand what privilege was. And so that's why we included it in the name. Um, the idea of using it for positive, our whole goal is to turn the definition of that word around yeah. and say, it's, we're not accusing you of anything. You have it, and there are really, I'm not going to say easy ways, but there are very basic ways in which you can use it to make progress mm -hmm. so that, you know, we're, we're, not, we're not trying to say, like, you should feel guilty that you have privilege. We're trying to say, you have it. We want everybody to have it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And it's and powerful. You can, you can pave that path. Mm -hmm. So when I shared that video, I mean, I wasn't thinking. I didn't do it intentionally. Mm -hmm. But afterwards... I learned so much. Mm -hmm. We both learned yeah, so much every single lot. day. I mean, I still learn every single day. Mm -hmm. I learn something. That's why we, we 
a lot of times, like we've been talking a lot about this word ally mm-hmm. because, you know, a lot of white people when they, you know, like particularly people who don't think they're racist and don't understand what racism is and don't understand it's systemic, they say, well, I'm an ally and I'm, I'm an ally. But, yep. you know, the, you're ally it's not a destination right right? it's a it's so that's why i even like hate to use that word so today when i posted something i said you know if you're on the path to anti-racism you're always on a path right Right. because there's always something to learn it's a never-ending battle right there has to be action behind it right and it's about like listening and self-reflection and being like okay this isn't about me Mm -hmm. let's dive into this topic of of privilege because i think um, and, and I, I understand the, the gut-wrenching natural reaction when someone hears privilege. It's almost a, uh, an attack on why I didn't earn what I have. And I, um, well, well, you're saying I'm privileged, but I, I worked really hard to get here. And I think, you know, how do you navigate that space within your organization um, and within your interactions with people to show that it's not necessarily about you didn't work hard, just what is inherently there. It's just what, what doesn't hold you back strictly because of your skin color. I mean, to me, for, for me, it's as simple as that. Hmm. It's as simple as, um, who was it? Peggy McIntosh had the uh, unpacking the invisible knapsack, mm-hmm. and it was listing all the things. When you walk into a, a store, are you followed around the store to, to be accused of stealing? If not, you probably have privilege. Right. You know, do you, you know, do you get a job based on maybe, I don't know, who you know, mm. and not necessarily because of your skill? That's privilege. Um, when you get pulled over by a police officer, is your interaction positive? Are you, or do, you, do you feel like your life is in danger? No, you probably have some sort of privilege. And I, even as a, as a black American, I feel I have privilege. And I say that because I grew up in a very white town. My, like I said, my family's from Africa and I've had white people blatantly tell me that they like Africans more than black Americans. Mm. And because of the way that I talk, I don't sound like the stereotypical African American that they think I I sound like. I have privilege even as a black American. They see me as different. I get treated differently. I get treated better. And I I sense that and I feel like other black Americans can sense that for me. Like I had, we, we, there was a rift growing up for me with black Americans. I never understood exactly why I wasn't able to connect until I started to myself educating myself about what you know racism was and how institutionalized it was and how systemic it was and when I started to really feel that I started to connect more with, with black Americans but still I, I I sense that every day I mean as soon as someone finds out that I'm African oh and you can I can feel their demeanor change I can mm. see their whole body been as radicalized as the rest of these black people that's already here yes so in I, a sense. Right. So I feel like because of that and because of the way that I talk and whatnot, I'm able to do this work with Melissa, I think, just because of that. Mm. They hear my voice and they're like, oh, well, let me listen to her. That's privilege That's for me. Why, why not use that? And I mean, not to get too, too deep, but like psychologically, who is a scientist, have proven that trauma can be passed down through your DNA. Mm. And because my family is not a product of slavery, I just don't feel like I have that trauma in my DNA. I don't. As much as it's painful for me to think about, like it actually, I sometimes I get sick thinking about slavery. It's not, I don't, I don't feel it as much as I believe other Black Americans feel it. And so for me, I'm privileged enough to be able to talk about this and it not be as emotionally straining for me. Right. 
until I feel an obligation to speak for my, I consider every black American a brother and sister because we very well could have Ghanaian blood in you. Absolutely. And so I have an obligation to speak for them and hopefully I'm doing it well and correctly, you know, as much as I can to amplify their voice also. To me, I have privilege. Why not use that? So one of the, um, um, one of the definitions I just put up for racism today on our Instagram was um, racism equals history plus institutions, right? And mm-hmm. that's exactly what Michelle was talking about. So she doesn't mm-hmm. have that history uh, on her. I mean, she mm-hmm. has the knowledge of it, but she doesn't have the history on So that right. may give her a different kind of perspective. But history plus institutions. And the one of the things that we do on our... So, be, so what we do, basically, um, the way we achieve our mission in our organization is we do social media campaigns, so we're active in social media to try to desegregate that conversation because white networks are like 91% white and they are like only 8% of the time ever posting about race. Um, and we are also, do we do speaking events? So we go around and, and speak to corporations and schools, et cetera. Um, and we also do some writing. But um, you know, one of the things we do is to, you, you asked about this idea of privilege, so we show it through sharing information about the way the systems mm-hmm. um, are, are, are weighted for white America. So we post about education, we post mm-hmm. about criminal justice, we post about healthcare, mm-hmm. we post about all those institutions that racism is like the, the foundation of, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And then we also post about history. Mm-hmm. So when we post about those, those two things, mm-hmm. you know, we're showing how those two things together result in an imbalance in power. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's follow that thread a little bit. Um, that, that understanding of racism and privilege is both historical and institutional. Um, you know, I know a lot of people that like to use the historical argument as, well, that was a long time ago. Let's, put, let's not agree with that, but let's just put that to the side a bit and let's address the institutional aspects of privilege and racism. And understanding that, for me personally, I work for a place that will rename Nameless that has about 44 managers, seven of them being people of color, and like (laughs) half, probably more than half of the actual workforce is uh, black people or other people of color. And that aspect of the institutionalized Mm -hmm. privilege that exists there, not being able to show those other people of color that there are more opportunities here for you, that those opportunities are only limited to the seven mm-hmm. that we've picked or that may have just come from a you know other side of the world because we couldn't find someone within the community to pick mm-hmm. one. How do you address that institutional side of that um, and, and show people that it's deeper than just saying something racist? It's deeper than just the stereotypes that exist within racism, but structures of corporations and structures of communities are built upon that idea of I'm privileged because I'm white and well I I would say there are a lot of people doing work this kind of work with Mm -hmm. the structures where we are what our our goal is to work with at the individual level Mm -hmm. because you know we think our um the the reason we resonate with people we're just two regular people Mm -hmm. I mean we're not like we're no scholars we're no policy people we're two regular people who had this experience and who 
now have this platform that we can continue the conversation that we started that day. So when we go into a corporation, we're not working at the institutional level, working at the individual level, mm -hmm. but when you get to the individuals, then you get to the institutional right. level because you get, you know, you mentioned this, this company, you know, however many uh, managers are white, if you had some of those white managers who had taken it upon themselves to educate themselves and to speak up, et cetera, then that would start to erode. So, mm -hmm. I mean, we're, we're talking like teeny little increments, you know, like drops mm -hmm. in an ocean, but there, the more drops in that mm -hmm. ocean, the better we are. And the thing is, if you don't, as a white person, you're, you're contributing to the problem. Mm -hmm. uh, essentially, that slow trickle is what really makes waves versus the, the quick uh, blurbs that tend to fizzle out or the quick movements that mm -hmm. tend to fizzle out. It's a, it's a long-term battle, mm -hmm. it sounds like is what you're saying. Yeah, when you yeah. change the individual's mind and when you get that, that person to go on that path to anti-racism, mm -hmm. when you get them to start to, you know, we like to say like, you know, you start at a certain level and the more you see, the more you, you can't turn away. Mm -hmm. And once we get them to that tipping point where they can't turn away it, as an individual, mm -hmm. the, that will start to affect institutions. And that's where our space is. We, we, it needs, you know, I mean, it needs people doing all kinds of work, all kinds of level, all kinds sure. of way. Sure. That's where mm -hmm. we are. Sure. But if you don't understand your, your own biases, if you don't, if, if you don't understand the, the information that, that we're pushing out, I don't think big change is ever gonna happen. Mm -hmm because it's gonna just repeat itself because you're not confronting your own privilege, you're not confronting your own biases. And so it's just gonna play out. Like, like I said, you can be fully, you can think that you're an ally, you can think that you're not racist, but it's going to play out in your life because we live in a very racialized country. You cannot escape it when you live in America. I grew up in a white town, so when people tell me that, oh, I don't have bias when white people, and I'm like, no, you do. And I know you do because I lived with you. Mm. And even though I'm black, I had bias towards black people. And I'm black. So how is that done where it's not confrontational? How is that done with, um, you know, my white coworker who, who likes to have lunch with me and I need to um, impress upon them the importance of, like, no, the bias is there. It exists. It's important to acknowledge that mm -hmm. and address that head on. And how do I do that where it doesn't come off as, you know, accusing someone of racism or or antagonizing them in a way. That's I think it's a very delicate balance. It's it's delicate. delicate. It's, She's it's, great at it. I mean, it's hard. I mean, I've, I've learned a lot of patience. I've sure, learned that absolutely. I have to meet people where they are because in the beginning I was so angry all the time. I was just pissed off all the time. But you have to... So what, what I do is I like to, in our speeches, I like to admit my biases. Mm. And I tell people flat out, if I see a bald white man with tattoos walking down the street, I get scared that he's in the KKK. Mm. And it's funny because usually like when people will like chuckle or laugh and they'll think about it, they're like, huh. I never really thought about that. And I'm like, yeah, we all have them. They are there. It's just, I mean, even just human nature, like biology, it is just in our brain. We, we, we look for ways to connect with other people, right? That, coupled with the fact that America puts all that information out there constantly. So we give examples. Like when I grew up, there wasn't makeup for my color. I didn't mm -hmm. see dolls that were my color. Mm -hmm. I didn't see my hair represented on TV. I didn't see anyone that looked like me on TV. I didn't see those things, right? Like... There's a really powerful picture where this is little white girl standing at a wall of dolls and all the dolls are like different skin tones of brown. Mm. And when you like, can you imagine being a little white girl and just seeing all brown dolls? No. People are like, right. oh my God, no, I could. No, 
all my dolls were white. And I'm like, yeah, so were mine. You know? Not all of them, but most of my dolls most were white. because, Right. And so think about movies. Why is a black person always dying first in the movie? Why is a black... <laughs> I don't know. You know? Why is a black person the thug, yeah, the right. drug addict, right. the criminal, the bad guy, the violent guy? Why is... Why are all the superheroes, besides Black Panther, why are all the superheroes white? I mean, those, those little messages play out in every single day. And I think when we can show that just at a very basic, just educational level where you're not pinning it on a person mm-hmm. and they can take a step back and look at the media and, and remove themselves, it's much easier to say, oh, okay, I see how that works. It instead of saying, right, instead of saying you have bias, we say, our institutions and the media and whatnot, they push out the bias there. So we give, like, Melissa, I think you gave a, you posted an amazing um, example of media bias the oh, other day. Right. Exactly, yep. A white woman in, I think, in the Senate, Pennsylvania in, in Senate, Pennsylvania, yeah. was, like, praying for God's forgiveness because we had elected our, our first female black Muslim woman. And I think it was People Magazine posted two pictures of the two women. And they posted the picture of the white lady who yeah, committed this. I saw that post all smiles yeah. and the black lady was angry. looking angry mm-hmm. that typical black angry woman stereotype mm-hmm. well first of all of course she's angry because she was just disrespected and violated in front of hundreds of people but why is a white lady smiling as right. if you know you know she was just saying a christian prayer no she was she was displaying blatant racism right, right? So just things like that. Why not make the the black woman smiling and the white lady portray her the way that she is? Put her with a terrible face, yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. It's just it's it happens just all the time. And when you can show people those pictures, it's it's very clear. Because if you're not in the media yourself, you're like, well, I didn't do that. I see how it's working. Oh my gosh! Then you start looking for those patterns. Yeah, no, and none of us learn this. None of us learn anything no. in school. So. Mm-hmm. You know, look, I'm not letting anyone off the hook, really, but I'm going to tell you that there are there are there are those that are willfully ignorant and they just don't like, oh, this is not my problem. I don't care. But there are a lot of us. I know it. There are millions of us who don't don't know who just don't know Mm -hmm. because our lives are so, so, so segregated and once you know, you can't not see it. So we're just trying to create that high level awareness. That's not saying like, okay, I do hold people responsible for not like seeking that out. But the fact of the matter is, is a lot of people don't because they're living in their little, you know, nice little bubble where they don't have to worry about things like racism. But once, see, once we, we posted that video, they saw it. A lot of white people saw mm-hmm. it. Not, I mean, those kind of videos we know have been right. posted for a long time, sure. but white people weren't seeing them. Right. But white people saw that one, <laughs> and it was and, obvious to them. And, there. It, and and they were like, "Oh, so I'm like, okay, now I got you. Let me keep you and move you further down the path, so that you can actually see things differently instead of seeing things in your same old way. Because once you see it, you can't unsee it. I think what really hit home for a lot of people within that video is because it was happening in our city, in Philadelphia, a city that's supposed to be a a democratic liberal bastion for people of color, um, supposed to be. Yeah. Uh, And, you know, it was like, oh, my God, it happens here, too. 
um, you know, it's closer to their home than I think it is. And like you said, because a white person was sharing it, because you were sharing it, it, it amplified that message even more. Would you, uh, would you ladies consider yourselves activists? Yeah. Um, I got into this. I'm going to share something with you guys. I got into this like weird like argument with this social media activist who was trying to tell me that at the at the heart of it white women's problems are white women's problems and black women's problems are black women's problems and basically like we need to keep our problems to ourselves and we don't have the opportunity or time to support white women's problems and like I was just like that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard and you know we got into this weird dance and, and argument back and forth and ultimately like I got blocked or something weird like that <laughs> um, but like there I, I think we've seen a rise of a particular type of activism that specifically within like liberal movements that focus on separating our culture and not understanding the importance of collective of of organizing and and coalescing together have you guys experienced that as you've uh, waded through this this role in your activist life um have you i'm, I'm sure there are weird kinds of comments you get i think she gets it more than yeah i i i I, yes and i do you know there's it's 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 really disturbing because you know when we should be working together Mm -hmm. there's so much you know like all the stuff that happened with the women's march is so disappointing Mm. you know Mm. but um this is what i have to say to that is that this way i think of it so you're a man i'm hoping he's a feminist right he's a feminist okay okay (laughs) so so Women can fight sexism their entire lives, mm. but if we don't have you working alongside with us, we're going to be stuck. Mm. Okay? Mm-hmm. So men have to be actively feminist too. They have to understand what that means. They have to speak up in their everyday. It's the same thing. Mm-hmm. Learn, speak up in your everyday life, and amplify women. Mm-hmm. Okay? Mm-hmm. So when you do that, that, um, that makes movement that can't happen just on our part. So it's the same thing. So that's why, you know, um, we have to work with each other. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's the only way. And I, I do see that silo, but the silo is not working. <laughs> it's not working. It, is, it, just, it doesn't make any sense to me. I get really defensive um, of Melissa. Like anytime someone, I see anything. Thank you. I do. I get really angry because I'm just like, you know what? She was the only white woman in there that day that stood up and said something and there were a bunch of other white women and if it weren't for her to be honest i wouldn't be here today so it's it's just like we i just don't under i don't really understand i i see that there's times for separation if there is strictly a black woman problem like you know make a group talk about it or whatnot but more divisiveness like i mean if you just want to be that divisive i i i just don't to me Honestly, that's what starts to get those comments from white people that say, well, why don't you go back to Africa? Mm. If you want to be that separate, mm. then literally build everything yourself then. Then build your own hospitals, build your own banks, build your own everything if you want it to be so separate. Like you can't in one, one aspect just only deal with black women's problems, but then go out into the world with all these white people and, and be living, you're, you are living amongst them, right? Like do you have a white doctor? Do you have a white dentist? Like you can't just separate it. I just right. don't, it doesn't make any sense to me. I watch way too much news and I read way too much news and I just like 
sometimes I drive myself insane where I just need to take a break and play play video games for like a couple of hours just mm-hmm. to just do something menial and just to not feel so insane. Mm-hmm. But I think part of that is because I feel like we are on the cusp of something. And I don't know what it is. Yeah, I haven't been able to pinpoint it. And I don't know if it's good or bad. I just know that there's, there's something. There's the, our, our society is changing. Things are way more extreme than they've ever been in the last 10 to 15 years, especially within our political climate and, and how that is connecting to people's everyday lives. Um, what, what's your take on just the future and what coming generations are going to take from this moment however it culminates and whatever ends up coming out of that what what message is important to impress on on future generations that are looking at this current moment in political history you know i equate that to the civil rights movement and and how how tensions have risen just as equally as they've done that at in that moment and and we can take lessons from there and look back and see the importance of that what do you hope to impress on those future generations i mean i i, I look I agree with you about the civil rights movement, this being another moment in time. Mm-hmm. This is, we're in the middle of a revolution and everybody is honestly, like we're gonna look back at this and say we were in another revolution. And the thing mm-hmm. is, is that when you say that like all, we're getting set back with all these things that are happening with the Trump administration, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera. The thing is, is that, that that that's the sign that you just have to push harder mm-hmm. because that's that's what happens in a revolution you're getting pushback because you're making progress mm-hmm. right so we're getting more and more pushback because they feel us making mm-hmm. progress so so what i would say is you know what you don't want to if if you're if you're a young person you want to get in because you don't want to be the person who 10 or 20 years from now as a, as a grown adult mm-hmm. says, oh, I should have done something yep. then. Yep. Because honestly, I mean, a lot of people of my generation would say like, oh, if I had been around during the civil rights movement, I would have done this or that and the other thing. Okay. The time is now. Right. <laughs> Do it now. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the last thing that I wanted to, to, to ask or, or kind of talk about really quickly was just how... Um, how do you know the person that is now woke which I I really wish we should retire that word Mm because I feel like it's been hijacked a little bit how about awake constantly awakening constantly we need a better term yeah we do woke has been hijacked and it's just such a yeah. And it's yeah, a destination. Like it. And we said that none yeah. of this is a destination. Right. Uh, you know, for that person, where um, where do I go once I'm, you know, I'm on that path now and, and that, that never ending path? What do I what do I do? Where do I find resources? How do I become more of a, a, a permanent ally than just a part time? You follow us. You follow us on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook from Privilege to Progress. Okay. And you show up in your everyday life, in your personal life. Like you don't have to be out there necessarily on social media, you know, doing this work for people to for people to see it. If you don't have social media, that's fine. You can still read, you know, different articles online, and you can show up in your everyday life by amplifying the voices of people of color. If you see something, say something. You hear something, say something. Um, it's it's to me it. It really is that simple. Mm. Teach your children too. I teach mean, this children. is the thing: is that that um, black parents 
have to have a talk with their kids. Yeah. Do you think white parents ever have a talk with their kids? Mm. I mean, I'm a white parent. No, I did not. I mean, now it's a little different, but but I mean, have to have a talk with your kids. You do, and that do. that that's huge. I mean, you know, I said somebody said, "Oh, I'm not on social media. What can I do?" I'm like, I don't know. Just start with something like watch Blackish with your family. <laughs> like, I yeah. mean, it's something, right? Yeah, right. Something. Google. The Googles are great. Yeah. yeah. One last question for each of you. Um, start with you, Michelle. What's your most favorite thing in the world right now? Oh my God! My wow! My brain just went to my boyfriend. Oh, oh that's I know. It's a new relationship, and like he's just amazing. That's nice. My, yeah, that's my awesome. my boyfriend and, and my 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 new family that's expanding. I'm moving to Dallas, and I'm meeting all these cousins and family that I never met. And his family's amazing, and and so I'm just really excited in my life right that's now. That's awesome. Yeah. Melissa, <laughs> uh, I have to say this: the awesome. work that we're doing, because you know what, it it um, you know, I've I've had a lot of different careers on my path to where I am today, and I feel like it all just came together on that day, mm. and I feel like we both feel mm-hmm. like we were just sort of there for a reason. It was put in yes. front of us, and I have never, I mean, it's really hard work. I mean, but it's like I have never been more um alive in something Mm. than i am in this so i do i really love it it's beautiful ladies thank you um sharing your perspective and and sharing how people can hashtag show up and use their privilege um i think it's a, a really important and uh progressive conversation that needs to continuously take place so we can see how privilege evolves and we can find different ways to use our privilege and amplify our voice to help individuals who are either disenfranchised or don't have the opportunity or platform to use it so thank you for what you do it was a pleasure Thanks. michelle and Melissa thank you. Privilege to progress uh, tell everyone where we can find your platforms again instagram twitter facebook from privilege to progress yeah, and on Instagram, it's priv to prog P-R-I-V-T-O-P-R-O-G. Thank you very much, ladies. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. I want to thank Michelle and Melissa from Privilege to Progress for sitting with me today. Um, I think it's a, a great conversation, topic, and mindset I th- that we all really need to live in on understanding what privilege really is and what it's not. Um, It's not an attack on your individual success. It's not an attack on what you've been able to accomplish in your life. It is just showing that is what is inherent to you is not available to everyone else. And there's nothing that you did wrong about that, but let's use that so we can amplify everyone else and everyone has an opportunity to be successful, whatever that means for them. I, I had a conversation recently with a coworker and we talked about his particular privilege and while he wasn't white he came from a very privileged community educational background and had opportunity and access to resources that others did not and it was really hard to get him to understand the access that he had and was able to have throughout his life and even today that wasn't available to some other co-workers and other friends of his and understanding that it wasn't him that did anything wrong it wasn't you that uh it's your fault that your parents had access to a particular education it wasn't your fault that uh you were able to get into a particular school or had connections at a particular job that was able to amplify your platform but let's just acknowledge that and 
go from there. So take these conversations back to your friends. Understand what privilege you have and that exists within your life. And understand that not everyone has that. Not everyone has the access to housing, um, to health care, to education. We, we go into places, uh, workspaces, and shopping, and just living our everyday life, even if you're not necessarily political or you don't look at everything through that lens, and knowing that you can be followed if you're black in the store that you can be stopped because you're wearing a hoodie, because you can be pulled over because you're driving in a gated community and you're just trying to find your way home. Um, those exist. Those experiences exist for a lot of people like me. Thank you, everyone, for always following, sharing, liking. Don't forget you can follow along on my blog at salascorner.com. Follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at salascorner. Um, I have a new blog post that I'm working on, some really, really dope episodes coming up, and some interviews that I'm trying to finalize with possibly a couple of local Philadelphia uh, candidates that's running for a political office. Um, so stay tuned for that. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, you, you hate me and you just want to disagree with me, you can always email me at realtalk at salazcorner.com. And don't forget to rate on Apple Podcasts. Until next time, peace, y'all.